Hi, this is Carl. Welcome once again to the SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Gil Cargill. How are you, sir? I'm good, Carl. How are you today? Very good. So I've known Gil for, I don't know, many, many years, and uh, we've, we show up frequently at the SMB Tech Fest at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's always a good time. And I always find Gil to be extremely educational and I appreciate, uh, you know, his ability to kind of boil things down to what matters and what doesn't. Because I think too many times people in our industry spend an awful lot of time on stuff that just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> With that, Gil, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your, uh, your consulting company? Uh, fantastic. Uh, good to be here. Uh, my company will be 40 years old next month. And uh, when we first started, I was a sales trainer working with PC dealers for those of uh, your audience that remember DOS and compact PCs and uh, several of the other brands that have come and gone in the years, uh, but helping them close business primarily. As the technology evolved into uh, real business applications, then uh, I helped PC dealers get into large accounts and sell thousands of desktop PCs And as Novell networking evolved, then we had to go from being uh, box pushers, if you will, and start selling in a consultative fashion. Now, with the array of today's services, MSPs and what I used to call PC dealers need to be consultative salespeople. So what I'd like to talk about this afternoon is uh, how by changing the way you sell, you can add six or seven figures to your top line in the next year. And I'm not exaggerating. The uh, problem with most uh, MSP and IT sales is we get too ground up in the technology. I've made hundreds of calls, sales calls with my clients uh, on their prospects. And I've watched their prospects do what I call the Cocker Spaniel look. Uh, If you have a dog, you've seen him get confused, and he'll do something like this. And when your prospect is acting like a cocker spaniel, then you're speaking a language your prospect doesn't understand. Now, the tragedy is the salesperson leaves that call saying, wow, I covered everything. I know all the technology. I'm really great. And the prospect is going, what the heck did he talk about? (laughs) So the first lesson is I'd like everyone to start speaking English. And as ironic as that may seem, the fastest way to add six or seven figures to your top line is to talk to the businessmen and women using a language they understand. They don't understand technology. They don't understand bits and bytes, but they understand the one missing ingredient. And Carl, I'm willing to bet that if we read 100 quotes that your audience has published in the last month, 100 proposals, I'm willing to bet that very few, if any of them, talk about measurable, permanent improvement in business operating conditions. Let me repeat that. Right. If you can help a businessman or woman improve one or more of their business's operating conditions, permanently and measurably, then you will have a customer who will pay you a lot more than they'll pay your competitor. 
because your competitors selling hardware. Now we call it solutions, but it's not solving any problems. If right. you're not solving a problem, it's not a solution. It's just that simple. So, so I always remind people that, you know, you're, you're selling to people who think the hard drive is that big box underneath the monitor. You know, I always, I always thought it was the 405 freeway at rush hour. <laughs> so that's a hard drive. Well, what's interesting is, so you're not talking about just speaking English. You're talking about speaking business, right? I mean, exactly. Because clients, we all speak English. You know, the, the concepts of hard drive and processors, that's some kind of English, but it's techno babble. Mm -hmm. um, how do you... How do you get to the point where you are actually figuring out what their problems are so you can solve them? Well, you have to go in and be more of a consultant than an IT expert. A consultant uh, basically takes the approach of understanding or asking, rather, where does it hurt? Uh, when I make a sales call, I am constantly uh, repeating a phrase in my head, which is, why am I here? Why am I here? Now, no one's going to meet with you because they're lonely, or if they do, then there's issues I can't deal with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, they will meet with you because they believe that you can solve one or more of their business's problems. So you have to ask the question, why am I here? You can't go in and say, I can help you increase your gigabytes and your megahertz, and we can do this and we can do that. The customers don't care. The customers are always looking at the world through the lens of what's in it for me. If you can show them what they'll get as a result of signing up with you, then it's a relative no-brainer to get a contract. But if you go out there and you pitch your technology, they won't understand it. So the process really should focus on understanding the results that you produce. So I would ask your audience to go back to their earliest clients, the clients that have been with them for a while. And Carl, I know you've been serving clients since uh, data processing was done with abacuses. Well, there you abac go. Abacai, <laughs> if, whatever the plural is. Uh, but go back to your first clients. And I'm willing to bet that everyone in the MSP world has helped one or more of their customers solve one or more business operating condition issues. And I'd like to survey those customers to find out how they view their relationship with the MSP. Now, if you've helped them eliminate overtime, if you've helped them uh, serve more customers, if you've helped them grow without hiring more people, if you've helped them protect their business from cyber attacks and giving them the peace of mind that comes from knowing that they are well and goodly covered, then you have an ability to say to your next prospects, here's what I've done for these guys. Maybe I can do the same for you. Right. That's a home run. But well, what's, what's interesting is that. you talk about having clients for a long time. I think about clients that have been with me for 20 years or so. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, when I talk to them about why they buy from me today, it's because they, they know me, they trust me. If I say, you know, throw away that server and we're going to go to the cloud, they are going to want to know why, but basically they're going to do it because I told them to. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do you start 
a relationship that that goes there? You know, how do you start a relationship? Because you can't start with 20 years experience. Oh, know? absolutely. So uh, you start you start the relationship by uh, focusing on the results that you've produced for other people. So if you were a prospect, I would say, Carl, thanks for allowing me to stop by today. Uh, I'm with a business here in beautiful downtown Sacramento that helps businesses like yours improve productivity, increase cash flow, and streamline operations. Now, I don't know if I can do that for you, but a brief conversation will let us both know whether or not that's feasible. May I have a few moments of your time? So we have to assume that Carl, being a businessman, may be interested in profit, productivity, and or cash flow. We have to infer, not promise, but infer that we may be able to uh, get you some more of those three good things you like. <laughs> the, the, the core issue is you have to become more of an emotional salesman than an intellectual salesman. All of the data regarding how we humans change stress the fact that we must embrace the potential results we'll get from the change before we engage in the perceived risk of changing. So what results can you produce? If you can save me time, I might listen to you. If you can save me some stress, I might listen to you. If you can help me beat my competitor, I might listen to you. If you can help me make more money, I might listen to you. We don't talk like that in the community. So the, the quid pro quo, if you will, is allow me to do a little bit of investigation into how you're operating to determine whether or not I can help you. If I can help you, will you review my proposal with me? Yes or no? If I can show you how we can, with some degree of comfort, improve profit, productivity, and or cash flow, will you uh, make a commitment to change part of your operation? So what we have to do is stop being guys that are taking orders, and we have to start being guys and gals who are making orders. And as counterintuitive as it may seem, you make orders when you are selling based on emotion and closing based on intellect. If you sell based on intellect, you, there, you won't have an opportunity to close. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, it's, it's kind of our nature. You've, you've been to a thousand presentations or made a thousand that yep. there's, you know, we as nerds, we focus on the smallest little thing and say, oh, let's, let's dig into that forever. And the client right. just doesn't care. You know, right. I, I just recently wrote a, a long, uh, I don't know, 10-page uh, list of uh, reactions or responses to um, people's objections to cloud services. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, you know, I just literally, I wrote out objections that IT consultants have they are not the same objections clients have. Right. <laughs> IT consultants are all about speeds and feeds and will it be reliable and da-da-da-da-da. And clients are like, is this going to make me money? Is it going to save me money? <laughs> yeah, none yeah, of it is about bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, you, you and I are singing from the same hymnal. And if the IT consultant can change uh, how he uses the English language, he can be phenomenally successful. 
because I firmly believe the majority of IT consultants are underperforming from a financial point of view because of the way they market and sell. And I firmly believe, and here's the tragedy, they're letting their customers down. So they may install what they feel is the perfect system and all of this, you know, screens are glowing. And, and let me share this with you. I was making a sales call with one of my clients and the customer had 28 desktops and a server. This was three or four years ago. And the president of the company who I had been able to convince to meet with us started the meeting by saying, I don't see why you guys are here. And I said, we're here to talk to you about the possibility of improving profit, productivity, or cash flow. And he looked at the uh, business card of my client and says, it says here, you fix computers. And uh, the, my client says, yes, we do that. And we have all of this technology and went into the Yabadabas. And the customer said, well, I don't need anything. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, well, look around you. All the screens are glowing. <laughs> So from the can you maintain my PC network point of view, all the screens were glowing. There was no need for any services. I said, that's great. I'm happy to hear that whoever is maintaining your network is keeping the screens glowing. <laughs> but are you optimized? And he said, what do you mean? I said, are those machines helping you make more money? Are they costing you money or is there no impact? He said, I don't know. And I said, well, what part of your business requires so much investment, 28 machines, 28 payrolls, plus a server, plus some outside fees? What other part of your business requires so much cash and you have no idea what impact it's doing on your company? And he said, well, nothing. I said, well, why don't you let us do a productivity survey and assuming we can show you how to be more productive with the same equipment you have, would you allow us to talk to you a second time? And he said, yes. And we wound up getting a huge financial commitment from him several months later. But we never talked about technology, except when my client got a little out of control. And it's bad form for a consultant to slap a client in front of the customer. that <laughs> I came close. And, and it's, it's the the conflict between selling and uh, being an expert. And the customers want results. They really don't care how those results are delivered. Right. And uh, that, if you can help a customer improve profit, productivity, and or cash flow, 10 to one on a dollar, you'll get some traction. What's interesting is that um, I've always had the most success with clients who are willing to sit down and have what I call a roadmap meeting. Exactly. But a lot of them, you know, your, your sales opportunity is pretty much your first and sometimes your only opportunity to do that kind of strategic planning for at least a year after they sign. So mm -hmm. you really got to make the most of it. Um, but you have to figure out what are their processes so you can improve their processes. So how do you, how do you get that conversation started? Well, we basically just survey all of the people, and it's a pretty simplistic approach. Uh, you know, a technician would say it's not accurate, and I'm the first one to say it's not accurate. It's about emotions. So 
will go desk to desk and say, what do you like most about your technology? What do you like least? And the employees tell us where the bottlenecks are in the process. And more often than not, it's, I, I don't want to call it minute. They're, from a technology person's point of view, they're insignificant. They were probably overlooked. From the end user's point of view, it's a major pain in the patootie, if you know what I mean. So we look for those bottlenecks in the process. We don't try to be workflow experts or technology experts. We're just business people solving business problems with the application of technology. And it's, uh, it's an age-old approach to selling, uh, getting the emotions on the side of the salesperson and then closing with the intellect. The brain will follow the emotion portion of your brain much faster than the intellectual portion of your brain. Well, it's also interesting because sometimes there's this unspoken third party in the room, which is mm. the last IT guy who right. you're there because he's either gone or on his way out the door. He may not right. know he's gone, but, but he's gone. Mm -hmm. um, and the clients often have a suspicion that something's not quite right. Right. You know, that, that he set them up with a very um, uh, inefficient process. And so mm -hmm. they don't know what the right answer is. Right. They know, they, like, they literally have a pain that they can't identify and they can't put a name on. But as you said, you asked the question, why am I in this room? Like, why, right. why are we here? Right. You get, you get mailings from 100 people. Why are we in this room? Exactly. And we, you know, they, they feel something's not quite right because they're not stupid. They're not technology guys. But they'll say, this seems to be breaking down too often. This seems to be slowing down. The, I, you know, and I'll ask, uh, I call them FUD-inducing questions. FUD is an acronym. It stands for Fear, Uncertainty, and Doubt. So I'll say, you know, Carl, when was the last time you backed up your data? And I've had people say, what do you mean? And these are the CEOs, presidents, and owners of businesses whose family's future is in that server. You know, their bankruptcy will occur if the data goes kapui. Um, if they don't know that, then I'm going to say, explain the risk that they're running. You know, I'm going to say, you know, one guy in the history of the world was able to jump out of an airplane without a parachute, and he survived. But he had 100 feet of cardboard boxes piled up in a football field size uh, area, and he was able to guide his body as a skydiver without a parachute to land on those boxes, and they absorbed the impact of, of the blow. So it can be done, but are you comfortable with executing that without our help? So I want the customers to see that the five or $10,000 a month they're giving my client is going to produce a significant increase in profit, productivity, and cash flow. When you boil it down to those levels, it makes a lot of sense. And I can't tell you how many proposals I've read that, and I've been a salesman in this business since COBOL. <laughs> Let me, okay, I'm just trying to put it into perspective for you, okay? You were probably in elementary school, but I can't understand many of the proposals that I read. And if I can't understand them, 
presidents of businesses that hire IT consultants certainly can't understand them. Right. So, um, by the way, I managed COBOL programmers in the early. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. I, I, I had to deal with the Y2K preparation. Oh, so, okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, let me have you walk us through, is there a pre preferred format for first meeting, second meeting, third meeting? When do you let them allow you to talk about money? Because clients, prospects, the only thing that they understand is, you know, generic technology and money. And so- right. So they can't talk about the technology because they don't know a terabyte, a teraflop, like that, that those two things mean nothing to them. Exactly. Um, but a dollar is a dollar. Right? right. You're coming in and you're like, you don't mention five to $10,000 on in the first half hour. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Never, ever talk price until after the prospect has agreed that the value is substantial. Now, that may be on the first call, rarely is. It probably is going to be in a second or a third call. But when the customer asks about price, I always deflect the objection, the question by saying, uh, which price is it you're talking about? And they go, what do you mean? I said, are we talking about the price of acquisition or the value of utilization? Because I want to talk about the value they'll get by using a relationship with my client and with technology. I don't want to talk about the cost of acquisition because real world, the cost of acquisition is minuscule compared to the potential for productivity improvement. And that lack of discussion regarding productivity, as you were saying, forces the customer to say, what's the price and you know, uh, why is it blue instead of red or whatever? Right. I mean, it's like if you're at a cocktail party, like, hey, so do you have any kids? You know, how about this weather? Right. You've yeah. only got so much to talk to a stranger about. Right. Um, so, uh, so do you recommend a first meeting that is basically, hey, do we have your permission to talk to your people and collect information and generate a report? Yes. And then we're, we're not going to give you the results in an hour. We're going to give you, we, we have to make another appointment. Uh, we, uh, in our first meeting, we explain here's how we work. And it may take two or three meetings before we even come to the position of deciding how we can help you or whether or not we can help you. I really want the customer to perceive that I don't know that I can help them until I know where it hurts. We have to play doctor in the first meeting. If you went to a new doctor, God forbid, and uh, you, know, you had a horrible pain in your back and the doctor looked at you in the waiting room and said, hey, Carl, we need to operate. Come on in, I've got an open table. <laughs> Sally, sharpen the knives. I think Carl would be setting some Olympic speed records running out of that building. So the salesman that comes in and says, I know I can help you, is equally out of bounds. And the customer may be polite for a short period of time, but they're going to ultimately chase you out of the door and that's a uh, bad thing for you. So the first meeting talks about the results we've produced for others. The first meeting talks about why we're a solid partner. The first meeting says, I don't know if I can help you or not, and you don't know whether or not I can help you, and you don't know whether or not I can be a profit generator. So what I suggest 
is that we do our preliminary evaluation, which will require us to interview some of your key employees. Let's determine whether or not there's some technology-induced bottlenecks in your process. And if there are, I will help you understand and put a magnifying glass and a measuring tape against them. And if they are costing you more than it would cost for us to fix them, may I have your commitment that you would explore, underscore, I'm emphasizing the word explore, building a relationship with us. The customers will say, what are you talking about? I will then come back and say, we only work with customers where we can show a positive ROI based on our services in a reasonable period of time. Assuming I can show you that, will you explore creating a relationship with us, all things being equal? So if they say no, then they're not a prospect. I can't sell that person. If they say yes, then I'm, uh, I'm going to bet, and here's the risk to me, I may spend two, three, four hours interviewing their employees, and I may find that they've got a flawless system. I improve my integrity if I go back and I say, man, your current system is just smoking. It's doing great. You know, uh, I, I'm happy you're so successful, uh, and I'm glad that you're rare because my kids would be going to a community college right. <laughs> instead of good schools, and I make a joke out of it. Right. But I stay in touch because nothing is permanent, especially in the IT world. Right. Well, and, and you've built the trust. So, yes. you know, one of the things I really like about how you've presented this is it doesn't sound salesy, right? There's none of this, you know, oh, we're going to do the Franklin close and we're going to try this and we're going to, right. you, know, uh, you know, because that's, that is exactly what IT people don't like to do. Like, right. I, I love to help people and I love to have that conversation. I don't want to go in and say, oh, here's my speech, d- 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 slide a contract across the table and expect that in 45 minutes, I'm going to sign a deal that's worth twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month. No, absolutely. You know, maybe in your dreams, but yeah. And if you have those dreams regularly, can I drink some of whatever it is you're drinking? I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but you know, maybe once or twice in 23 years. Well, it's, uh, yeah, once or twice is about right. But it, it, I just try to be very logical and totally non-confrontational. The old Willie Loman uh, salesman style, uh, the Dewey Cheatham and Howe style of selling is absolutely ineffective stupid, unproductive, unprofitable, and it causes salespeople to burn out and leave the profession. If you're upfront and honest, and it's totally honest at the first meeting to say, I don't know if I can help you or not. You know, if uh, you've only been there for five minutes, how can you promise me something right. if you, you know, uh, by walking in the door? Well, and, and, and it's funny because you can build trust in a lot of ways. I had a right. prospect many, many years ago that called me in, hey, you know, we're thinking about getting a new person, wanted to interview me. And when she found out that at the time I was $120 an hour, she couldn't scoop me out the door fast enough. Right. Uh, but then a few weeks later, she called me and she said, I got this proposal and you seem like a nice guy. Can you just give me your opinion of this? And I gave her my opinion. And then mm-hmm. about four weeks after that, you know, she sent me some other question about, do you think it makes sense to upgrade to this operating system? Da, da, da. She did that about four or five times and I gave her, you know, 
quick and easy free advice. It wasn't right. analytical, but she eventually brought me back for another interview and signed a contract. And until, cool. until they sold that company, they were our client. So, you know, but that's just a matter of just being open and being the kind of person that in that meeting, you don't come across as stiff techno goober, you know, you're a real human being and then right. you, you feel like they can contact you. Be a businessman or woman who solves business problems by the application of your expertise and technology and you'll win more often than not. You'll never win all the time uh, because nothing sells itself unless it's illegal, immoral, or fattening. <laughs> and I don't know of anything in our industry that falls into those categories. So uh, going to trade shows can be fattening, but that's yes. a different issue. Um, so but, believe it or not, we're out of time. Oh, okay. Uh, can, well, have I, you got a, a handout or something that, that you can uh, send to folks if they're interested? And how do they get a hold of you? They can send uh, an email to Gil, G-I-L, at gilcargill.com that's g-i-l at g-i-l-c-a-r-g-i-l-l.com or they can call me at 310-447-4102 my website is gilcargill.com thank you so much for your time carl i appreciate being here well thank you i appreciate it have a good one 